Well, Happy New Year. Advent kicks off the Christian year. So it starts today for us in many ways. If you have your sermon notes, if you would please pull those out, you'll notice there's no fill in the blanks. I like to do this from time to time because, uh, you know, part of listening to a sermon is not, you know, just did I like it or did Chris not fall or something like that. Part of listening to a sermon is what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me? What is it that you need to write down? And so I encourage you to do that. That's why we're not going to do fill in the blanks through the season of Advent, but that is there. But look at that blue side real quick, if you don't mind. On the blue side, there are uh, a few uh, announcements I want to make you aware of. Number one, we have our Carols of Christmas coming up next Sunday evening at 4 p.m., December 5th. You do not want to miss this. I am so excited. I've been looking forward to this for a really long time. In fact, the next week, I have to be in the Middle East. And uh, I told them that I could not be there until I first went to the Carols of Christmas at Fraser. All right, so it's going to be great. So if I can postpone a trip halfway across the world, you can be there, right? Yes, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. So come out and uh, be with us then. I'm glad that two of y'all were excited about that. Um, also, number two, Upward Basketball registration. The deadline is December 2nd. If you want to be a part of Upward Basketball, for more information, just contact Lawson Brindle. He's actually sitting up there in the balcony right now. And for some reason, if he doesn't answer his email, his personal cell number is 334. How much you pay me not to say this on live television? Okay, whatever. Anyway, you can email him there. And then a parents' night out is coming up as well, December 3rd. Uh, you want to uh, see the information about that. The kids are wearing their Christmas pajamas. That's going to be fun. So parents, if you want a date night, there you go. Also, this week we started our new schedule, and a part of that is we hope that you are connecting with a Sunday morning group. Those start at 9.45, go from 9.45 to 10.45. Uh, if you want, have any questions about that, you can ask us after the service or go to the connection point at the connection desk out there and see that. Also, I want to celebrate and say thank you so much for your generosity. We were a collection point for um, the Christmas shoe boxes, and we collected 1,251 shoe boxes, which is amazing. Thank you guys so much. We also took in uh, 203 angel tree tags for foster kids. That is awesome. That is amazing. And then also we had 326 kids signed up for our Christmas store this year. So thankful for that as well. And I'm thankful for your giving. You can do that right now uh, on your mobile device if you would like to, to the number uh, on the screen. You can text the word Fraser. Uh, they are also there are boxes in the back. So thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, today, if you have a Bible, go to Isaiah chapter 55. That's where we're going to be. We'll get there in just a few moments. We're going to be in the first 12 verses uh, in just a minute. But uh, I'll start this way. Um, every year, and this may just be my family. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's probably not yours, but it, at least it's my family. Every year we have to ask the holiday question. There's this traditional holiday question that we ask. Uh, and it normally happens, you know, right before the meal. And, and, it, and the question is... When will they get here? Could just be my family, not yours, I'm sure. I'm sure your family, everybody shows up on time, right? But that's just not the case necessarily in the Montgomery household all the time. And, and so there's always kind of that one relative or that side of the family that just loves to make everybody wait on eating because they like to show up late. And I'm not bitter about it at all. You know, 
to all my family out there, if you're watching this, you know who you are. So, uh, not bitter at all, but I was thinking about that and thinking about waiting. You know, the holidays seem to be a season of waiting. It, it seems like we're waiting in long lines. We have short tempers because we have shot nerves, right? I mean, unless you just love waiting in line somewhere. But, but no wonder we're impatient. Last year, 60% of Americans did their Christmas shopping Christmas week. 60% of you. Wow. No wonder we're impatient. That's a lot of people shopping at one time. But this theme of waiting is really important. And in many ways, waiting is, is a spiritual discipline. Because we do become impulsive. We do want to make things happen fast in this microwave society that we live in. We don't like crockpots anymore. We'd much rather nuke that thing, right? But waiting is very important. And what Advent reminds us of, the word Advent is a Latin word that just means the coming or the arrival. And it was when the people of God were waiting on the Messiah to come. They were living with messianic anticipation. And what this season reminds us of is, is that the people of God once had to wait for a very long time. But they were waiting for God to send the Messiah so that the world may be changed forever. Now, while the people waited, God's message was the same over and over, it seemed like. God would send prophets and they would come and they would speak to the people of God about where they were and what was going on while they waited. And at one point in Israel's history, we see all of this kind of coming to a head as the Israelites are fearful about going into captivity. And God once again sent a prophet with this same message once again to tell the people, do not be afraid. Over and over, God would send this message. You do not have to be afraid. You see, when we are living in fear, we do, we do some very unhealthy things. Now, not all fear is unhealthy, right? Fear can be a very good thing. Now, whenever you feel fear and you see danger, it, it can actually sharpen your focus, such as your eyesight. You can focus in to see where the danger is coming from. Uh, fear is not all bad. Not all bad at all. When you, whenever you feel fear, all of a sudden your heart starts beating faster, which pumps blood to your muscles so that you can run if you need to. It's not all bad. But there is an unhealthy kind of fear out there as well. There's a kind of fear that paralyzes us where to the point where we can't even make decisions. There's a kind of fear that leads to despair if we live in it too long. Do you know that if you live with an unhealthy kind of fear for too long, it can actually have effects on your immune system? If you live with an unhealthy kind of fear for too long, it can actually begin to shut down your digestive system. Fear does horrible things to us physically, and then spiritually the same is true as well. We can live in a place of fear of not trusting God to the point where we start believing that God is not going to come. He's not going to show up. And again, this is where the people were, the people of God were, about 700 years before the Messiah came. Once again, they were living in a place of fear, and God sends them a prophet named Isaiah. And Isaiah, we know Isaiah, we don't know a lot about Isaiah, but we know he had about a 45-year ministry. 
Some people estimate that he preached around 6,000 sermons or more during those 45 years. If that's true, then the 66 books that we have that bear his name, the book of Isaiah and the Old Testament, if that is true, that he preached that much over that time period, then what that means is we have about 1% of his sermons that he actually preached, where he spoke on behalf of God to the people of God. But in those 66 books that we have, the largest Old Testament prophet, some people call it the fifth gospel. Because over and over he speaks about the Messiah who is going to come into the world. And God is giving the world this message in this moment, again, where they're living in fear, especially fear of being led into captivity. And in the midst of that, in going through that whole experience, Isaiah steps up. And he speaks on behalf of God, and he says these words in Isaiah 55. I'll read the first 12 verses. He says, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know, and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow came down from the heavens, and they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. In the same, It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it produces fruit. It accomplishes all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. And then he ends in verse 12 here. You will live in joy and peace. Now, in the midst of one of the most darkest times in Israel's history, this is a part of the message that God is giving to his people. And while he does not use the word fear in the verses that we've read here, Isaiah is dealing with four fundamental fears that we all experience from time to time in life. And he gets at these fears and says, these are things you must never fear, especially when it comes to God. The first one that we see here is that Isaiah deals with this fear of rejection. This fear of not being welcomed or wanted by God. We all know what it's like to, to have this fear. We, we've all wondered, will they receive me? Will they like me? Will they welcome me? Am I wanted there among them, whoever, wherever there is and whoever them is, right? We, we've all asked that question. We move to a new city. We start a new school. Uh, we start a new job. 
We go to a new church. We go to a new Sunday morning group, whatever it may be. We have a first date. We have a second first date, right? <laughs> We've all wondered, you know, am I going to be welcomed? Am I going to be wanted? Am I going to be liked, quite frankly? And right here, Isaiah gets at this invitation that God is issuing, and he does so by using this metaphor or illustration in verses 1 and 2. Notice the, the, the illustration here is around being thirsty or being hungry. He says this again. Is anyone thirsty? Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, that's very important. He says, come take your choice of wine or milk, depending on your age. You get to choose. Okay, that was funny. Wow. Anyway, tough crowd. All right. He says, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. And he says, why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Here, Isaiah is using this image of eating, of drinking, and he's saying the invitation from God is to come. And the, and the image here is very important because what Isaiah is saying is that you are always welcome at God's table. And to be welcomed at God's table means that you are welcome to be identified as one who is a part of his family. You are welcomed. Isaiah is saying to the people at that point, I know things are bad. In fact, things are horrible. And you may not feel welcome. You may not feel wanted. But God welcomes you. And God wants you. That's the same for us today. Many times we don't feel welcome or wanted by God. But feelings are not facts. A feeling is just a feeling. It can be real and not true at the same time. It's a very real feeling. I feel it doesn't mean it's grounded in truth. The truth is, is that you are welcomed and you are wanted by God. He wants to have a relationship with you. Life may have been hard. Life may be hard right now. You may be going through hell on earth, but he wants a relationship with you now. But notice what Isaiah says. Isaiah says you can't buy this. You can't buy it. You see, you cannot buy a seat at God's table. You cannot buy a spot in God's family. So many times we think we can, right? We think that if I just do enough good things, then God will welcome me into the family. If I just do enough good stuff, and if the good can outweigh the bad, and, and then we get into this thing where we try to measure ourselves, how good am I versus how bad have I been? And we you know, listen to the, the whole Santa Claus story a whole lot, right? And, and we start seeing which way the scales are going to tip. And what Isaiah says is, you know, your money's no good here. Matter of fact, you try to buy things, but it does you no good. No good at all. It's free. It's a gift. The gift of God is that God gives you himself and he says to you, come, because you're welcomed. And not just welcome, you're wanted as being a part of my family. Whenever we get to the holidays, some of you have experienced horrible rejection within your own families or from friends. We walk into the holiday season and we gather with people we have a shared history with. And a lot of times when we have that shared history, there's pain there. And sometimes we, even when we see people, we relive that pain. 
and we wonder, do they want us? Are we welcomed, really welcomed with them? Or are they just being nice for grandma or grandpa or mom or dad or whatever it may be? But when it comes to God and when it comes to God's family, you are always welcomed and you are always wanted. And Isaiah lets the people know that. And then he moves on to the second thing. The second thing that Isaiah deals with, the second fear that he deals with, he says, not only are you welcome and wanted, he says, but you can actually know God. You can actually know him. You see, many times we live with the fear of say we say, okay, yes, I get it. God loves me and he wants me to be a part of his family, but but can I really know this God? This God who created the universe, this God who created everything out of nothing, can I, a peon in this universe, really get to know God? And Isaiah says, You can. You actually can. He says in verses three through six, notice he says, Come to me. With ears wide open, listen, and you will find life. You will find it. You will find it. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. That's huge. He's saying, everything I gave to David, I'm going to give to you. The relationship I had with David, I want to have that with you. David, the man after God's own heart. David, the author of the prayer book or song book of Israel, the Psalms. He says, all the unfailing love I gave to David, I want to give it to you. He goes on and he says, see how I used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know. And the peoples and peoples unknown will come running to obey because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. And then he says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. What Isaiah is saying to the people, he says, do not fear. You are welcome. You are wanted by God. And not only that, you can actually know who this God is. Now, a lot of times we spend much of our life kind of criticizing what we believe to be the inaction or lack of action on God's part. We ask questions like, where was God when this happened? Or where was God when that happened, right? But God has actually given us our whole life to seek him so that we may find him. A lot of times we just sit back passively and say, well, if God wants to show up, God can show up. The question is, are we seeking him? Notice the five actions here in these three verses that we must do. He says, come, listen, see, seek, call. That's what we do. We are the ones that come to God. We want to listen to God. We want to see what he has done in history and what he is doing now in history still. We want to seek him while we can find him, meaning while we have breath in our lungs in this life, and call on him while he can be found again, meaning while we have breath in our lungs in this life. He says, you can do this because you can actually know who this God is. And God's message to God's people, both in Isaiah's day and in today, is that God wants you to know him. God wants you to know that you can know him. And, and not just know about him. I'm not talking about just some head knowledge you read out of some commentary. Not just know some things about God. There's a world of difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Those are two completely different things. And so many times we settle for just sheer information transfer so that we have some head knowledge about who God is. The question is, do we know him personally? That's the question, and that's the challenge before us. And that's why Isaiah says, you are welcomed by God. God is issuing this invitation. Come, come. You can actually know who 
he is. And like any relationship, that means that we have to be proactive and inquire about who he is. God wants us to know that we can know him. And he's not hiding from us, guys. He's not hiding from you. But he does want to know if you've accepted the invitation. So Isaiah says, you're welcomed, you're wanted here. You can actually know who this God is. And then he deals with fear number three. And fear number three is one that a lot of us live with, and it's the fear that I don't know if I could ever change. I don't know if I could ever change. Anybody who has any ounce of healthy self-awareness sees within themselves things that they would like to change. Everybody does. Normally, it centers around our attitudes, our actions, or our anger. Attitudes, actions, and anger. And we see this play out within ourselves, and we just do not like it. So much so, we sometimes get to the point where we actually don't believe that change can happen. And we know that we've settled in that place where we do not believe change can happen when we say things like, well, that's just who I am. This is just me being me. Isaiah says, no, you can change. You just can't do it on your own. You're welcomed by this God. You're wanted by this God. And you can actually know who he is. And then when you get to know him, he changes you. Look at what he says in verse 7 and 8. He says, let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Here's the key phrase. Let them turn, turn. Anytime you see that language, turn, in the Bible, it's referencing repentance, that's what the Greek word metanoia means. Repentance means to turn away from it. He says, let them turn to the Lord, away from sin, to the Lord, that he may have mercy on them. And then he repeats himself, yes, turn to God. When the Bible repeats something, it's emphasizing it. Yes, turn to God, for he will forgive generously. He will forgive generously. And what Isaiah is saying to the people is that, yes, you are welcome. Yes, you are wanted. You can actually know who he is, and when you get to know him, he can change your life. All the things that you see in you that you don't like, he doesn't like them either. And he can mold you into exactly who you're called to be. And what Isaiah tells the people is that your mistakes do not have to make up your identity. Your mistakes do not have to make up your identity. And I know a lot of times we find ourselves in that place where we say, it's never going to change, I'm never going to change, I can never change, and I'm here to tell you, you can. Because I believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, I'll make this statement. It's going to be a little bold, so hang with me. You are, right now, who you want to be. When it comes to your attitude, your actions, and the anger you carry, you are right now who you want to be. If there are things that you don't like about yourself, God has issued you an invitation of sheer grace and resurrection power for your life to change. And when you come to him, when you listen to him, when you see him, when you seek him, when you call on him, he answers those prayers. And he changes you radically. And anybody who has experienced the transforming power of God's grace in that way, they will tell you, you don't have to be that way. You don't have to live with that attitude. You don't have to live with those actions. And you don't have to live with that anger that you're carrying around. 
And again, because I believe in the resurrection power of God, that's present tense in real time, in real space, in real human lives, you are right now who you want to be. You're carrying what you want to carry, and you don't have to carry it anymore. I love a Christmas carol. You know, Dickens, right? I love it. And every year it's on TV, and, you know, around this time of the year, it's already started playing. And a Christmas carol reminds us each year that we, I think we have to ask ourselves, are we more like Tiny Tim? Severe illness, yet full of joy? Or are we more like Scrooge? At the end of the day, your circumstances do not define your attitudes, actions, and anger. And you don't have to live with negative ones. But they can be resurrected as the end of this verse that we read says, you will live in joy and peace. That is available through this invitation. And Isaiah is telling the people, you are wanted, you are welcomed. You can know who he is and he can change your life. And then the last one, he says that God will never let you down. So many times we say, okay, I get it. God has welcomed me into his family. I get it. I can know who God is. I get it. God can change my life. But what if, what if he does not answer my prayer? Or what if he does not answer my prayer the way I want him to? Or what if he does not answer my prayer when I want him to? What if God lets me down? Isaiah says that's not going to happen. Not that you're always going to get what you want when you want it. See, we have to remember a few things. First of all, we have to remember that we are not God. God is God. We have to remember that we have let God down. God never lets us down. And we have to remember that we have very limited understanding about all the millions and billions of things that God is doing right now all around us. But notice what Isaiah says. After he talks about seek the Lord, call on the Lord, let the wicked change their ways, what he says after that, he says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And then notice what he does here. Now all of a sudden Isaiah starts talking about rain and snow and ground and seed and bread and farmers and hungry people. Notice he says, after saying these huge theological statements here in verse 10, he says, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and they stay on the ground to water the earth they cause the grain to grow and that grain produces seed for this farmer and then the farmer makes bread for the hungry and then he says in the same way it's the same with my word I will send it out and it always produces fruit it will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it it says, when I speak, I don't let anybody down. But notice how this verse started, this chapter started. It started with, if you're thirsty, come. If you're hungry, come. You see, what we know about life is that right now we know I'm hungry. I'm in need of something. And God, I need you to meet my need, my hunger, right here, right now. That's how we pray. That's what we pray for, right? 
And our hunger can be different things, right? It can be a physical need, emotional need, spiritual need, whatever it may be. But we say, God, I'm hungry. I need you right here, right now. And what Isaiah says is while you focus on your hunger, God sees the whole process. It's as if he backs up and he says, guys, remember, you're focused on your hunger. And God wants you to come because he wants to meet that need. He wants to satisfy that hunger, that need, whatever it is in your life. But you have to understand what God is doing right now. God is thinking about rain and snow so that the ground can be watered. God is thinking about causing grain to grow that can produce seed that, that, that then can be bread that the farmer can meet your hunger with. Do you see what Isaiah is saying here? He says, you're focused on your hunger, rightly so, but God is organizing the whole cosmos around you. He said, God is not letting you down. And what looks like a momentary letdown in time and in space is a miracle in eternity because God is weaving everything together from the rain and snow that fall down all the way to your need being met and your hunger being satisfied. And Isaiah looks at the people, just I think as he's saying to us today, and he says, don't fear. God wants you to be a part of his family. He has welcomed you into his family. And not only that, you get to actually know him. And not only can you know him, not just that, he can change you. And all along the process, he's never going to let you down. You may not understand it all in that moment. You may be asking for bread and God is working on the rain, but it's coming. And he's not going to let you down. You know how the Bible ends? Revelation 22. Last chapter of the Bible. Revelation 22, verse 17. Guess what, what chapter it quotes? Isaiah 55. And it's the invitation to come. Come. Some of God's last words to the world through his scriptures are these. It's an invitation to come. Don't fear. Just come. He wants you. He has welcomed you. You can know him because he knows you and he can change your life forever. And along the way, he will never let you down. Amen. So Lord, would you come? And Lord, may we come. We've already declared that you are in this place. And we happen to be here today as well. And so, Lord, in this next song, I pray that we bring all of who we are. That we hear the invitation that's been extended to us. And we call out. And we seek and we come to you with ears wide open so that we can hear from you. Lord, whatever each of us are going through right now, whatever we're carrying, Lord, would you touch and would you heal and would you move in powerful ways as we accept your invitation. Let it be so. Let it be so.